Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Everybody and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Tribe, I talk a lot about the power of your network and how critical it is. My network is my net worth. I curate it, I nurture it, and I use it as my source of business and relationships. My guest today, Drew Austin, comes from one of those deep personal and business relationships. We were introduced by my friend Brian Altamari, and we took it from there, chatting on the phone and in person recently at his offices, where we connected, and I learned a lot more about his background and what he and his team has created. Drew Austin is a founder and CEO of Wade and Wendy, a platform powering artificial intelligent recruiters. See what I did there? Artificial intelligent recruiters. Prior to Wade and Wendy, Drew was co-founder of Augmate, venture-backed tech company, managing and powering wearable devices in the industrial workplace. That's pretty cool too. We'll talk about that. And earlier in his career, he led business development efforts at Connections of New York, an IT-focused executive recruitment firm. So he has that background. He's ingrained in the New York startup ecosystem. He's been there and done that startup village at South by Mentor, at Starfast Accelerator, and Talent Tech Labs. He's been there. He's done that. Drew's a grad from Syracuse. Uh, something happened in the news today, which I'm not even going to get into about Syracuse. There's yeah, some, some stuff, stuff, but we'll, we'll avoid that now. Um, but Drew's an awesome dude. He's a family man and learning every day. And like me, how to balance this all. We were just talking about that beforehand. I'm thrilled to have him on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about everything. Drew, welcome to the Thanks podcast. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, buddy. Cool. So why don't we start off and just give my tribe a quick little elevator pitch on your origin story. Just a little bit more about you know where you, where you came from and where we got today. Um, I'd love to hear about how Wade and Wendy came to existence. Yeah. Um, so I was, so if we go back, I was an entrepreneurship major at Syracuse. I started my first company in college. So I've been starting businesses since I was about 19 years old. During the summers while um, in college, I used to intern at Connections of New York, which is uh, a recruiting firm that my uncles uh, founded. And uh, from when I got out of college, it was my first job out of school. So I spent some time. So I, I, overall, I was probably recruiting for about five or six years. It's a lifetime. Um, yep, lifetime. <laughs> uh, and uh, I loved the problem space. I liked the business model. But the, the, the way of recruiting, the idea of trying to give a personalized experience at the level of scale that I felt like was needed to compete with an expanding market was just very challenging. So ultimately, I, um, I ended up leaving the space. I've been doing my own thing ever since. I ran a marketing agency for a bunch of years. Uh, before this, I co-founded a wearable technology platform. And I got really into thinking about how um, new frontier technology can enable new types of user experiences and new types of scalability and new types of opportunities. So, um, and then when I, when I was looking into seeing what I wanted to do next, I thought about marrying the experience and the interest and passion I had for building teams and recruiting with some of the new things that I was learning about data science and machine learning and, uh, frontier technologies and so on and so forth. So, um, I actually, I went out, I started speaking to a lot of different recruiters in the industry, corporate recruiters, industrial labor, like recruiters that had to hire high volume 
local labor workers, um, you know, even my startup friends that were growing rapidly uh, their teams. And what I found was that no matter, you know, all, they all had different systems in place, all have different processes, but the constant that really constrained their ability to scale their job was the amount of the conversations in their right. workflow. You know, whether it's, you know, having uh, a conversation with a hiring manager about the requirements for a role or screening an applicant, sourcing a uh, passive candidate, uh, doing a reference check. These conversations, no matter how many tools and workflows they had in place, limited their bandwidth and capacity to um, to provide the optimal experience they wanted to give. So, uh, you know, that married to the idea that. I thought Slack was a really interesting, this was about four years ago. I thought Slack was right. really interesting as an infrastructure for applications. Um, this was, you know, this was really before the word chatbot became cool <laughs> or became prevalent. And uh, we just thought that if we can build an application that would augment or automate some of the top of funnel conversations that recruiters were having that were highly repetitive, very data driven, um, but like would enable the recruiters to have um, more freedom to do some of the more strategic things. If we could build relationship that on top building. Of, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. If we could build that type of experience on top of the messaging infrastructure, then we're designing a product that's like within the existing workflow that recruiters and candidates interact uh like how they interact today via conversation and uh we started to dive in and look at like how can you build a scalable conversational system you know what is natural language processing mm -hmm. where what parts are you know what parts need to be ai driven um you know what are the third-party tools in the space and uh it ended up bringing us to today where we are well that's that's incredible too so it's interesting so you know without getting too deep right we don't want to give away all the trade secrets too but like you know i'm a recruiter right i mean that's why i got the show here and <laughs> How did you go about determining what parts of the conversation are a-okay for to be, you know, within this, this chat feature, but more importantly, where candidates feel comfortable? Yeah. Like, how, do, how do you prep them for that? Like, how do you, what's the, what's the full disclosure saying, hey, Adam, welcome to the process. You're now talking to, you know, Chatbot 3000. Sure, sure, sure. Adam the recruiter. So I'm a big believer in being upfront that um, this is a machine. Um, and I, I'm a big believer in that. Now, even though we use names like Wade and Wendy, um, we do that so people can humanize their yeah. interaction with the machine, but we're always upfront because if the product is about to have a good conversation, there are pillars of good conversation. One of, those, one of those key pillars is trust. So if we're going to come out of the gate and, and position this as a, a human until you realize you're not going to have trust. In no, that's BS. No. So exactly. So for us, it was very important that, um, that we, I'll come out of the gate and say, Hey, this is a machine, but the purpose, where we try to um, demonstrate why there's value. And there's a few different things. One, um, we, we thought the top of funnel interactions, like those initial screening, qualifying, mm -hmm. kind of like information given, you know, gathering sessions. Um, we thought those were a great place to start first. And at first, because if you think about Wendy being deployed as a, um, as like an initial screener, there's applicants coming from all these different sources, you know, especially now with one click apply, there's right, even course. more, there's the least amount of friction to apply to job than ever. Yes. So having no buried entry. Exactly. Which is, you know, which we thought was a good thing in getting more applicants, but it's also resulted in more noise. Of course. And what that's done is it's enabled Wendy to be, uh, for this use case, screening, to have consistent conversations and abundance of conversations while just focusing on the role, the person, and that conversation, not having to focus on acquisition to start to train a system and understand what is in a screening back and forth conversation look like. So could we, could we give a quick example of that? Like how would it work, right? Like if I'm a client of yours and I'm in, I, yeah. 
Just walk us through an example of how a client sets the parameters for those initial screening and what, what a conversation, like a high level conversation would look like. Sure. So, you know, we work with, you know, a variety of enterprise level customers. These are you know everything from banks to large telecom companies to, you know, big tech companies, so on and so forth. And what we do is we take the, the kind of the workflow as such. We take a job description. That's kind of the seed of where we are going to engage of how, what's going to power the conversation. We take that job description, we parse and kind of um, extract the core concepts um, that the job description kind of outlines that, hey, this role is looking for certain requirements and certain qualifications. And that's what really kind of generates some of the, um, the, the two things. One, the topics of conversation that Wendy's going to cover. And two, how is she going to have an evaluation model? Like how is she going to understand what to, really, what to really look for for this role? So we marry both the, the, the parse job description as well as any additional knowledge and insight that we have on that domain. And that sets up a conversation that's role specific um, so that instead of having this one size all apply, an engine engineer and a electrician or a salesperson are having very different interactions exactly. with when they are when they're initiating their uh, first screening conversation because we need to get different information to evaluate this person's qualifications and uh, previous history for that given job so um, that's really that's the screening that like post apply we integrate with the applicant tracking systems or whatever systems they have in place a job description and a candidate an applicant trigger a personalized interaction that we then can present back the insights any kind of um, the, the transcript any right. additional information so that the recruiter then can say hey of these hundred people that apply yeah, let me people. start to these right. five and ten first and is there any way to like to kind of filter out sentiment or like truthfulness or or like time to answer. I mean, how are you adding some of these kind of human elements to that initial conversation? Or are you not? Is it just purely black and white? There's no gray area. I mean, so the way we looked at it is this. Like, I, I try to look at it as when I'm on a phone screen or if I get a resume from someone, can someone lie on a phone screen or someone, can someone lie on a resume? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. But at the end of the day, what we find is that there is some important information that we have to, that like, that we need to get across. Like if someone, for example, doesn't have work authorization or doesn't have- um, like Key black and white core points. Yep. Core points or doesn't have experience. Where do they experience. Live? Let's say the role is like a- you Engineering know, a, skill set. Yeah, yeah, doesn't have a job, doesn't have Java in their background, never worked with Java. Um, and the company says that this person's required to have previous experience with Java. It enables us to then be able to say, hey, listen, these people have met your bar. These people have not met the bar that you've set. And they can calibrate that bar. So within our works, within, within our interface they see the things that we understand from the job and see the things that we parsed out of the job and they can give us feedback and say hey I want to put more weight on this I want to make this an absolute knockout I want to make this a must-have versus a nice-to-have um, and that helps Wendy calibrate what questions she asks and also how her evaluation is going to um, be structured that's awesome and, and it's a continuous 360 feedback loop it has to be from your clients as well how are you optimizing and how, how are you growing it too now we talked a little about about this offline too like when is what, what's that transition when it comes over to the to the recruiter side like finding you know that that balance let's talk yeah. about that a little bit so yeah we're a big believer in working with the recruiting teams and I, you know my my vision of the future of recruiting is going to be one in which humans and machines collaborate effectively 
um, that, that, that when you're building a talent acquisition team, you're going to think about what is the machine's roles? What is the, you know, the AI machine roles and AI recruiters role? What are my talent acquisition recruiters roles? And how are we going to work together to build the best teams? So when I think about that, you know, Wendy today, our core recruiter that we deployed enterprise organizations, um, she has three core capabilities. One is, like I said, post-apply, screening and evaluating talent, making recommendations, providing insights to the recruiting team. Second is sourcing. So she actually proactively leverages her massive network of talent to go out to go out and either proactively target candidates and inform them about job opportunities or distribute job uh, job descriptions programmatically to have people come through her system that she can then filter and only present the most qualified candidates back to the recruiting team. So there's a sourcing vehicle, a screening vehicle, and then the last piece is what we call her, coordin- her coordinator um, role, which is scheduling or moving forward with next steps, integrating with systems. Like That's like kind of the three core pillars of what she does. I need a Wendy. Coordination. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I need I mean, a Wendy. We, I mean, we, yeah. use, we, we use Wendy to do our own recruiting, but the nice thing is we still have a recruiter. It's not like we try to replace the recruiter, but what, ha- what happens is a li- like, uh, like in our um, talent acquisition efforts, what we can do is say, hey, let's have Wendy take a first pass. Any Love inbound initiate the first interaction is the low hanging fruit, Out, right? The obvious outbound, ones. Wendy can start and bring in leads. And if there are certain roles that we're recruiting for where Wendy doesn't have a huge network or is not getting the feedback loop that she wants, then our team can then say, okay, let's spend our attention on those roles or look leverage our network or build relationships in those areas so that we can best utilize our time. So we structure our organization to leverage the bandwidth and capacity and capabilities that the that the technology can bring, and we structure our organization. It's, it's augmenting, right? It's, it's helping. It's not replacing exactly. at all. Because we talked about it too, you and I, we talked about that there's certain things, right? Recruiting comes down to the human extractor. That's why it's always crazy, man, right? And you probably hear this all the time. And you're, re- you're a recruiter at heart. That's where you started from. So you sure. get it when, when I'm about to say, everybody thinks they could be a recruiter, right? It's the same thing with like real estate agents. Everything, mm-hmm. Everyone thinks they can pivot, re- pivot careers, sure. but it's not true because there's one thing about recruiting that you need to learn. It's how to interpret, understand, manipulate, and I don't mean manipulate in a bad way, but really mm-hmm. understand people's motivations of that true human X factor, mm-hmm. right? Understanding that. So how do you try to take some of those human elements and incorporate it into Wendy? Well, I mean, part of that is actually just allowing, using the technology to allow humans to be more human. If a human being is running through phone call after phone call after phone call, trying to keep up with the Joneses, they're going to have no chance to actually leverage the insights no. in, to them, to actually, uh, develop relationships, to actually make insightful decisions, to actually like put a strategy in place that's optimized for. So what we do with Wendy is we say, hey, let us give you all the data. Let's do the data, data gathering. Let's have, let's present the job effectively in a consistent way. Let's ask consistent questions and do them 24 hours a day so that, you know, even candidates that don't aren't available from nine to five to do an interview can still have that an interaction at their own time. Let's do all that upfront stuff that humans don't have the bandwidth and capacity to do so that you can then go do, take a more, to have a deeper conversation with someone. Exactly. Dive into certain topics that Wendy's saying to you, Hey, this is information that you might want to dive in further on because you, you, this is interesting and relevant to your role. So So Wendy will call that out. She'll call out things where it's like, this is an interesting point or this person may be lacking or you you may want to like, 
in the record or whatever way the export you know works. Absolutely. So she's call, she's calling out. She said in the job description you highlighted this. Here's a data point or context that the candidate spoke about that you might want to hear. And we hear this all the time from recruiters. Hey, I was going to reject this person based on their resume, but I saw the conversation highlights or I read the transcript of the interview and we loved what the person had to say about this, this, and this. We moved them forward and we actually ended up hiring the person. I love it. And that's that's a really powerful thing. And that's so interesting too, because we talk about overload right now, right? And one of the big things that I, that I absolutely hate is this easy apply button on LinkedIn and other sure. sites as well, because it makes it real easy for anyone to hit the button. But what the candidates don't realize, there's still always a human on the other side. So if you're flooding the system, if you're flooding the top of funnel, that's taking away from my time to talk to candidates like you just mentioned. And that's why Wendy is so valuable, because it's, mm -hmm. it's really scaling recruiters, right? It's mm -hmm. personalization at scale. So let's talk about that for a little bit personalization at scale. Let's unpack that. What does that mean to you? I mean, so I, uh, the way I think about it is like when I was trained as a recruiter, um, you know, and like, let's say it was around probably the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, when, when I was first digging into recruiting, what I started to see was like, I was trained by recruiters that you could vote, you were, it was high fees, low volume, highly personalized interactions. You worked with a candidate, you worked with a client, you want, you know, you, you really, it was just a very highly personalized experience. And then we started to see in the, like in the mid to late two thousands, it really became a race where yep. every used car salesman that ever sold a car before said, oh, yeah. Hey, I'm making a ton of money. I, my friends are making a ton of money selling people and recruiting. Let me jump into there. So it wasn't yet technology. That was the challenge. It was the abundance and volume of recruiters that entered the space because it's such a low bar barrier to entry right. that it became this race. And that was the beginning of the depersonalization. Then from there, you start to say, hey, how are we going to compete with all these people? Well, now technology comes into place. You have job boards and marketplaces. One size fits all recruiting processes. No personalization, but high scalability. So what, we, so what we looked at is this. We said, where is the most when we, we said, what is the most personalized interaction point of a recruiting conversation? Well, it's that conversation of the recruiting work workflow. It's that conversation when you're presenting information, gathering unique information, synthesizing that information, and then making a recommendation back to the recruiter based on it or back to your hiring team based on it. So we said, if we can do little things like being able to um, leverage some of the data that we have about a person, where they most recently worked, what, what, where, what company they had, what was their job, what, were some, what are some of the things they're interested in? What, you know, even just like simply saying, hi, John, instead of hello. You know what I mean? It's like little moments little where you can, that you can humanize the interaction and then the ability to make them feel understood. You have to make them feel listened to and understood. So like uh, for job seekers, we hear this all the time. They're like, listen, I just want the opportunity to tell my story. And when with, with, I think the, the metric was like, you know, 83% of applicants don't actually ever hear back from anyone that they apply. That's they just, a whole other conversation. it's the yeah. AT, it's the ATS black hole. So, you know, a, there's an opportunity where some people just want to be able to tell their story Two, the, um, you know, we've heard from a lot of, uh, a lot of people as well, like, especially on the engineering front, um, is like, Hey, I, uh, I feel more comfortable talking to a machine about my career because I don't feel like I'm being judged by a human on the other end, <laughs> which, you know, of yeah. course, engineers are that kind of breed, exactly. but like, but, but like it goes for, uh, it goes for a lot of different, pe um, uh, opportunities where people are just like, listen, I want to be able to talk about myself. I want to tell my career. People want to, to hear and, their own voice. And, and I, and I think, I think that's a part that's missing too, right? I think a lot of us recruiters too, we're just jumping around the resume, mm -hmm. right? We're trying to get our key points. Can you check the boxes? Can you do the job? Mm -hmm. Can you do the skill set? 
but move on. But I think that people really want to tell their career stories and connect too. And I also think this because there's gaps, right? In today's modern age, there's gaps. They want to explain it. They want to get ahead of the curve, mm -hmm. right? Um, does, mm -hmm. does the machine address any gaps as it go through the tenure? How does that work? Yeah. So we've built, we've built, uh, so we had different requests. So we've had things like, Hey, if someone has a, a year or so missing, um, between jobs, can we ask, hey, what did you do during that period of time? Another one we've uh, we've recently identified, another one which was a recent um, a request that we've also built was um, uh, asking why someone left their most recent job. That's a good um, one. That's so something just, I ask all the time. Of course. And I'd it's love to hear it's, how they answer a, that. It's a repetitive question yeah. that everyone asks all the time. Hey, why are you looking? Why did you leave? And if we just incorporate that information, it allows us to present back someone with richer insights that you're not getting off a resume or a job board. You're getting only because Wendy's having a specific right. conversation with that individual right. and kind of allow, it's, allowing it's the It's a scouting report. You. It's like a exactly. baseball scouting report, right? So I'm a recruiter, right? And now I get this report. I'm like, oh, look, look at Drew. He applied for this role. Now I take the time. I take the time to not just look at their resume, but I'm looking at this report. Now I'm able to go into that conversation and not have to ask those questions again. Mm -hmm. I have the intel. I'm making notes to myself about where I want to dig into. And it's a more engaging and efficient recruiting process. Yeah, that's exactly right. Where, where are you finding resistance? When you go out and you're talking to companies and you're pitching them, what's their resistance? What are some of the pushback that you're getting? I think, um, so if I think about it, I think there's a few things. One, it, this is not as much of resistance, but it's more of a challenge that we all have to work together to overcome. And it's when you start to introduce new technology into your workflow, it means not only can this technology provide benefits, but to fully leverage and realize those benefits and to optimize and to maximize your ROI, you need to change your workflow, your behaviors, your job Absolutely. functions as well. So I think the biggest discussion that we're having with teams now is, hey, we've now gone beyond piloting the solution and saying, well, what's a chatbot? Oh, how cool. Like it's beyond that now. We're now, it's now in the market where we have real adoption and real, we've demonstrated real results. So now it's like the next step in this journey, which, which first was like, what is a chatbot? Then it's like, well, can it exist in the enterprise and what's the right use cases? And now it's like, wow, we're seeing value. How do we then maximize the value and say, how do we structure our teams to benefit and in incorporate automation and technology so that we can fully realize the benefits. No, I love it too. And I think this is really going to help. Something else that you and I talked about offline is recruiter burnout. And I talk a lot, a lot about it too. I have a threshold of how many conversations I could have in a day. Yeah. Right. There, there's a mental kind of block that I have. I mean, cause it takes time and it takes energy. And I, I want to be fair to all my candidates. Mm -hmm. I want to give them my all. I want to give them all of my attention. I don't want to be looking down at my phone. I don't want to be checking out my, you know, my fantasy football team. Right? And I think that's really another real critical point of what your platform is, is providing. You know, what's, what's your take on that human constraints of like human bandwidth and recruiter burnout? I mean, that, that to me is like one of the most essential pieces of this entire process is that like at the end of the day, like we could we can talk about is you know technology and like an, an AI recruiter has a different set of challenges or constraints or limitations than a human does. Doesn't mean one is better or worse, but it is different. A machine can have simultaneous conversations, many of them at the same time. A human cannot. A machine doesn't get tired at 5 p.m. during their screening, whereas the human recruiter is probably shortchanging that guy. It's the 15th person or woman. It's the 15th person of the day that they've spoke to. And now they're just going to rush through this and have no, no 
capacity for focus. You're not giving them a fair shot. Exactly. So it levels the playing field. I like the, it. The ability to access data. Like, yes, a, um, a, a, recru a human recruiter has a wealth of knowledge in a domain, but just the ability to have a, a broad um, scope of coverage. So if you're talking to a, uh, a salesperson, an engineer, or a warehouse worker, you have a level of understanding that you've been trained with to be able to have an engaging conversation because the machine has that data in their, in, you know, in their knowledge base. So like you're talking about data limitations, you're talking about capacity limitations, you're talking about focus limitations and constraints these are you know even just the ability even like we, we make jokes that wendy's the best note taker that we have on the recruiting <laughs> team because everything's documented it's, every word is transcribed every right? word is transcribed if i so, even showed you my notebook i like if a doctor laughs at my handwriting exactly yeah. and and the problem is is that this is one of the core parts of recruiting and why actually it's been so long it's it's, it's the one of the slowest industries to adopt you know real technology new technology is because it's data. If we're putting crap data in, we're going to get crap insights out. Garbage in, garbage out. And we need garbage in, garbage out. So we need to be able to be more um, consistent with our data acquisition, more consistent with our data understanding, more consistent with how we organize data. And the beginning of that is during those interactions, there's just no consistency when it comes to human note taking right. and human updating of systems. So. Have you have you used Wendy for the intake? Do you use Wendy for the intake calls with the hiring managers? Sure, she has to. Well, that's yeah. her way of calibrating. Right. So usually a, a hiring. But manager is that automated too? Like, the, is it all just like textual, so or is it voice? It, no. So that one is actually so human. The way we look at it is recruiters and hiring managers still need to go through their intake. This is not a replacement of that. Right. Because again, if we're going to present candidates to the recruiter or hiring manager, there still needs to be alignment. You got to know so, what you're talking about. Yeah. But what we do is we once we get a job description and we parse that job description, we present back our understanding of the topics that we're going to cover and the, and the things that we're going to evaluate for. And we allow the recruiter or hiring manager to calibrate, which is basically prioritize right. the things that we've identified, add it. things or subtract things. So it's a very, it's not a in-depth conversational experience. It's just straight. Here's what we've understood. Let us know if there's anything you want to update or change. What industries have you found challenges in using this platform? Like, have you done like legal recruiting? Have you done like marketing recruiting? Or is it mainly I mean, tech we, right now? No, I mean, no, it's definitely not mainly tech. We've been running the gamut. We've done, you know, we've done technicians in uh, for telecom. We've done customer support. We've done secretaries. We've done software engineers. We've done data scientists. We've done, you know, uh, uh, financial advisors. We've done a lot of finance stuff. We have yeah. a lot of clients in the finance space. We've done, um, you know, I mean, we, listen, we've worked from, we've worked with a wide range of companies. The things that Wendy challenges the most, has the most challenges with, at least on the sourcing front, actually happen to be the company and the roles that humans have the most challenges with, which is, you know, if it's a hard to fill senior data scientist position, or you right. know, lately I've been seeing a bunch of actuarial, actuarial roles. Uh -huh. And like, these are hard, there's not a huge supply. Right. So leveraging Wendy to, to who's, who's, who's benefit and real, real, skill set, if you think about it from that way, is that she can increase capacity and bandwidth for outreach and engagement. But if there's only four people in Dayton, Ohio, that right, have exactly. the skill small, set, a small pond. Wendy's not going to be able to provide you some unique advantage there. Right, so, so like, there are limitations. You, there are limitations, but the limitations actually replicate that of humans' limitations. Just think about Wendy as, like, we built Wendy to kind of emulate what a recruiter's job, top of funnel job is, the outreach on the sourcing side, the discovery on the sourcing side, the initial screening, those types of things. But at the end of the day, if the, if the, if the 
if the human pool isn't available, then whether it's a human recruiter or an AI recruiter, they're both going to have challenges filling those positions. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. I appreciate that. So what's next on the horizon? What's the next, what's that next big aha feature? What are you trying to accomplish next for Wendy for her to master? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, it's like almost never ending. We have a lot of things that we're doing. Always learning. Uh, yeah. So uh, a use case that we've seen a lot of um, value in lately is, so Wendy, we started to integrate and partner with um, a lot of different job boards and programmatic distribution companies. So because there's so many different outlets and platforms now to get candidates, instead of having all those people enter the applicant tracking system and creating a ton of noise and mess for the recruiting organization, they're saying, Hey, Let's have Wendy distribute our jobs. Let's have Wendy promote our jobs to these job boards, these marketplaces for all these different outlets. Let's have it all go through her. So then she's then giving us the people that we then want to spend time with. So she's kind of now, so now not only are we, you know, proactively outreach with messaging or screening with chats, we're now starting to integrate with other vendors in the ecosystem. So things like, so that we can distribute jobs, so that we can introduce new assessments, so we can integrate scheduling and calendars. So it's a lot about now becoming more like allowing Wendy to be more of a coordinator on top of a sourcer and screener right, that's and huge. building out, building out her platform abilities. No, that's, that's awesome. Drew. I appreciate that. So let's switch gears for a little bit, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're a seasoned startup founder, been through the ringer, um, you know, success. I'm sure there's definitely failure being, you know, being a founder. Sure. How, and then, you know, you're, you're a new father as well. Like how do you balance this all mentally? Like how do you do it all? Is there, is there a secret? You know, how do you yeah. keep it all together, man? I mean, the, the definite secret is um, <laughs> marry, right? <laughs> I mean, my wife runs like, she's uh, she's fantastic. So CEO. she's, yeah, totally. So she's the CEO of the house, um, of our household. So like she really kind of helps to alleviate some of the burden um, that I would feel if this was like, a, if I was a sole <laughs> parent yeah. or anything of that nature. So one thing is like, my, I'm in a really good co-founder relationship when it comes to my home. That's uh, awesome. My home life. Um, and the second thing I would say is, you know, I just try to, I set, you know, I think I'm, I'm big, it's a big believer in setting expectations. So communication is really important. Uh, listen, if I'm going to be traveling this week or if I have a board meeting, like, as long as I can communicate up front with my wife and make sure that we're aligned on, um, you know, what the expectations are for that week's involvement, I think that's really big. I think the other thing also is like, I try to just make the most of the time that I have. Like, I'm not one that's going to force myself. I don't try to force myself into situations where I'm going to do tech. Like, if I have 10 minutes in the beginning of the day and 10 minutes at the end of the day before the baby's sleeping, I'm going to make the most of that time to like, to, to do the things that I really want to do and spend time with them. I'm not going to use my, my one five, my, my five or 10 minutes on some like remedial task that I could offload or distribute in other capacities if we so could. So if we can have assistance or help or other areas, or even with my wife, I'm saying to her, Hey, listen, I only get 10 minutes. You know, if, if I can just get that time to read a book to him, that would be ideal. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, so, I try to find in those moments. I, I, it's a lot about time management. It's a lot about communication and setting expectations. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, like I also enjoy what I do. Like, I enjoy, um, you know, I enjoy like in my downtime, you know, I'm also reading and learning and researching right. about what this, the industry and trends and tech and startups and recruiting and HR tech, because like, this is the stuff that I'm passionate about anyway. So it's also like, 
part of it is like, it's nice when your business and your hobbies kind of align. When they all align, uh, right? It's harmony, is, right? It's not it, balance, it's harmony. Totally. And that's not an easy thing. Like some people who just have to get a job, I get it. Like you have to get a job and it's got to pay the bills, but you do have a, a, it's a really nice thing. If you can align some of your passions and interests with the work you do on a daily basis, it really makes, uh, you know, it, it makes work easier and it also makes your downtime more productive. Right, exactly. Not every, not everyone has that luxury. So, a couple of questions to to bring this home, Drew. That I that I ask, you know, pretty much everyone that comes on the podcast. What is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on daily? What is the single greatest piece of advice? Um, wow, that's interesting. Um, you know, it's funny. A few things come to mind, actually. A couple. Um, one, and it's funny because you said this. It's one of the first things you said, actually. Uh, my father, my father-in-law is a. He repeats the sentence. To, he repeats this quote all the time. My net worth is my network. Um, and it's funny that I you said that. that. <laughs> Say, yeah, my father-in-law says it all the time. So I, I think that that the, the my network is my network is my net worth. I think that really goes. There is so like it sometimes can fall at the back of a priority list to just kind of nurture a network because you have so many tasks to do, right. but really put it, putting that at the forefront or at least making sure there's time for it each week to be able to invest in your relationships, I think is really essential. And then the other thing I think I've heard throughout the years is, um, is, about, is about focus. Um, I got in a piece of advice once that was like, when you're making decisions, you know, really kind of like limit, even, you know, even if it's like, what are you eating off the menu? Like, take the three top criteria that go into your decision-making and eliminate any other noise. So like if there's, if there are three criteria, like if I'm going to look at a menu and I'm going to say, well, I'm, you know, right now, uh, taste is important, but like, you know, I want uh, to be no carb, no, whatever it is. If you have three different criteria there, I'm not eating, you know, meat today, whatever it is, just like limiting the, all the variables that can go into a decision-making and give you just kind of decision like it just kind of makes everything narrow the, focus. narrow the focus, focus your priorities, focus your decision-making. I just think that's a really important thing. That's very hard in a world where there's just so much access to shiny things. Like it's just, there's so much opportunity and there's right. more that's access to information and trying things, trying to take your attention that like more than ever, you really need to be uh, attentive uh, to, and really focused. And the last piece of advice that, I don't know if it was advice that I was given per se, but I think it's the best advice that I could give um, is probably around um, mindfulness and meditation. I think that's been really important for my development and like just the ability to start to absorb all the advice that I've been given throughout the years. I think advice, advice comes to you at different, you know, you can get the same advice every year of your life, but right. like you, how you actually internalize that advice changes as you grow and mature. So I think that like if to, to, start investing in like mindfulness practices and meditation. And um, uh, that really helped me to internalize advi all advice at a little bit more of a present place. Um, and uh, I think it's benefited me tremendously. And that, that's incredible too. And Drew, last but not least, right? You know, day in, day out, things are rough, things are tough. You're, you're, you're building a business, you're growing a family mm -hmm. and some days are tough and you got to look, look up sure. to the sky and say, Hey, I, I need some help here. Um, and then some days are awesome. They're incredible. Mm -hmm. Things are firing on all cylinders. What do you look to for gratitude? What is your North Star, Drew? Ah, uh, man, it's a roll. I mean, this is no doubt a roller coaster. 
um, it is an absolute roller coaster. Start, I mean, the startup journey, the business, the building a company. I mean, it's like it really is exactly what you said. I mean, one day you're taught, you're a rocket ship. The next day it's like, oh man, we're dead. The next day it's a rocket ship. The next day it's all over. We're going under. It's really a wild ride. I think um, you know the the thing that's helped me the most has been family, um, and and like. I think family has been like, for me, luckily has been like the rock and the foundation through it all. So through the ups and downs and the, you know, this wild journey, I'm very, I'm very like supported by, you know, parents and sisters and, and my wife. And, you know, now I have a kid. It's just like, I find that that to be a really, it's a really great place to kind of like go back to and realize that like, this customer deal failed, failed or didn't go through, or this investor said no, but like at home, they're not rattled. Like you're still going home and being dad or being a husband, you're not off duty. Or being a son. You can't take and off for being yeah, dad. Exactly. There's no so days like, off, right? Yep. So like, they're not really changing mm-hmm. their, they don't change their judgment of you on a day-to-day basis. So should you change your judgment of you on a day-to-day basis? Probably not. And I think that's where you got to, I think that helps you to come to really, uh, helps ground yourself through the ups and downs. Awesome. I love it. True. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. No, thanks for having me. And, and closing thoughts, you know, robots are taking over our lives in many aspects and in some way they're making our lives, our lives easier and other times more complicated. There are things that they can replace or automate, but what about the human experience specifically in recruiting? And this is a fascinating area from the moment my first conversation with Drew, my, my antenna were up. And I, and I welcome it from an efficiency standpoint. You know, what parts of the process can be automated and what must have human interaction? And this is a balance and optimization that Drew and his team are learning and building every single day. And I applaud Drew for his tenacity to create, to build something and to innovate. And he gets it as a recruiter himself that some aspects must be human to human as a human X factor is the greatest variable in our business. This is an extremely exciting space to watch and I'm glad that I have a front row seat to it. I look forward to continuing to build my relationship with Drew and urge anyone interested to reach out and connect with him to learn more. Drew, where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? And where could they learn more? Sure, sure. So uh, our company's website is wadeandwendy.ai. So wadeandwendy.ai. My email is drew at wadeandwendy.ai. And I'm on Twitter at Drew Austin. That's my phone, D-R-E-W-A-U-S-T-I-N. If you're going to follow me on Twitter, You'll hear some startup stuff, but I hope you don't mind all the Knicks talk. <laughs> oh, the so, Knicks. It's painful. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a lot of Knicks talk. <laughs> it's, it's painful stuff, man. Well, I hope they're, they're on the I need to I need, I need to vent somewhere so Twitter becomes my Knicks venting outlet. Oh, man. I'm a Mets fan, man. We, I think we had this chat. We're, we're in this know. weird area. I know. Like, how are we the biggest spending money market teams in the country yet? We, oh, it's terrible. It's, it's I, I digress. Drew, thank you for joining me today. I really thank appreciate you, it. Have a good one, man. Thanks so Awesome. Much. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to link, click, submit, subscribe, share. You know all that good stuff. You know where to find us. All the comments below. Remember, take your online offline. Thank you for joining us. And catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode, jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.